Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The Gospel for this weekend picks up exactly where we left off last week. We're still in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Now remember last week, we heard Peter's great confession. Jesus asked the apostles, Who do the people say that I am? Now, the apostles gave Jesus this wide range of opinions, and we know they were all dead wrong. And then he turns the table on the apostles, and he asks them, Who do you say that I am? And it's met with silence until Peter. Peter is the only one that speaks up and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of God. Upon this inspired confession, Jesus says that this is where my church will be built. That gives our church its stability and power throughout the centuries. Then we have this very interesting twist. Just a few moments later, Jesus lays out his entire mission, what it means to be the Son of God, and what it entails, which means his death. Here, the Son of God is sent into godlessness, into forsakenness, in order to save us and the world. Jesus has been sent by the Father directly to the cross. His whole life is about the cross and nothing else. Now, notice Peter's response. It says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Rebuke means he essentially scolded him and said, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. Now, this is incredibly amazing. Jesus just called Peter the rock, the rock in which the church will be built. Peter now is held up as the leader of the apostles, but also now the leader of our church. And yet, just a few moments later, Jesus now calls Peter the devil, and he tells him to get out of his way. Jesus is telling Peter that Peter is now blocking Jesus from his mission. This is why Jesus yells at Peter and rebukes him in such a sharp way. More to it, Peter doesn't understand the cross. And I think that's the whole crux of it. It's always the same story in the Gospels. Those who don't understand the cross, they don't understand Jesus. Jesus came so as to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came so that he could go into God-forsakenness for our sake. Jesus came so that he might die for our salvation. And see, that is Jesus' only goal in life. That is what you could say, the place where the momentum of his mission would carry him to the cross. To understand the cross and to love the cross is to understand Jesus and to love Jesus. So, having just confessed accurately who Jesus is, now Peter reveals 
he doesn't understand Jesus's mission or the cross. That's why he says, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. And so then it begs the question, how is Peter motivated? Well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's motivated by his love for the Lord, but also probably a little concern for himself. If they all go to Jerusalem and Jesus gets killed there, what does that mean for him, Peter, and the rest of the apostles? Well, chances are they're going to meet that same faith themselves. But again, give Peter the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure he's concerned about Jesus. Then Peter hears that horrible rebuke and that scolding by Jesus. He tells him that he's the devil and to get away from him. Now, what does Peter really want? Yes, he wants Jesus glorified, but glorified in terms of the world, not glorified in terms of God the Father. Peter wants Jesus to have power and honor, but not the power and honor that God the Father wants to give him. The power of how the world defines it, which means what? Titles and wealth and domination and controlling people. Peter doesn't understand how the cross will glorify Jesus in the eyes of God the Father. Death was the last thing that is on Peter's mind. Now remember, I shared with you last week, I said Peter's confession has nothing to do with his intelligence or his holiness. We see that clearly on display here. Peter is blocking the Lord from his mission. Now I think you can find this double quality throughout the gospel. Peter, yes, is a great symbol of our church. I've often said, Peter, when he gets into that boat with the apostles, he's symbolic of the church, you know, sailing through time and space for the salvation of souls. Now, go back a few weeks ago. Remember the story of Jesus walking on the water? Jesus says to Peter, who's symbolic of our church, come, you too can walk on this water. And Peter, he succeeds. He starts walking on the water. Why? Because his whole focus and attention is riveted on Jesus. And yet that moment in which he looks away from Christ and turns toward the storm, he begins to sink, right? Well, that's the same theme here. There's a duality to Peter, symbolic of the duality of our church throughout the ages. Will we always be confident in knowing who Jesus is? Yes, we will. But at the same time, will we always have something about Peter's weakness in us? Yes. We will continue to make known that great confession. We will know that Jesus is the Son of God. And yet there will be times in which we don't understand the cross. And that's the key. Peter didn't understand it. He didn't understand that love implies sacrifice. Christ loved us to the extent of that great self-denial as he mounted the cross. That's why he continues on. He says, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the key. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. Love implies sacrifice. Give you a great example of this. Just look at our families. Look at mom and dad, husband and wife. 
Their love and their commitment that they have each other implies a sacrifice. Each will sacrifice for the other. Look at parents. In their love and their commitment to their children, it implies sacrifice for the care of their children. Likewise, adult children. You know, in their love and their commitment to taking care of their elderly parents, it implies sacrifice and caring for them. Now remember, love means in the Bible to will the good of another. Love means giving yourself over to God and to others. Where does it reach its perfection? On the cross. You know, one of the reasons why you can go into any church here in the United States or any church around the world, you will always see the crucifixion, Jesus on the cross, at the very center of that church, no matter where you go around the world. Why is that? Because it's the church reminding us the greatest perfection of love is found with Jesus on the cross. Now, with that in mind, turn to the second reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul writes, Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, pleasing to God. Well, Jesus gave himself completely over for us as he mounted the cross. So, in response to that act of love, we give ourselves over to God. Love implies sacrifice. If we love God, and we all do, it implies sacrifice and self-denial on our part. And see, that's the cross that Jesus is getting at. Now, I would argue we are already walking with our cross, practicing sacrifice and self-denial, and probably never even thought about it in that way. I'll give you some examples. A parent sits down at the kitchen table and helps their child do their homework. Now, I would argue there's more beauty and there's more truth in that act of love and sacrifice than the adoration of a crowded room at a party. Or you take an adult child that cares for an elderly parent who is debilitated. Again, I would argue there's more beauty in that act of sacrifice and love than the applause of a thousand people. See, that's what it means to deny yourself and pick up your cross. Stewardship is all about that. You know, stewardship is what I constantly am preaching about. That's why we chose last year the theme, Belong, Believe, and Become. See, that's how we as a parish together deny ourselves and pick up our cross. We believe that in our parish, we belong to something that's greater than our own individual self. We belong to a life-giving faith community that fosters and strengthens our faith in so many different ways, whether it's sacramentally, spiritually, or ministerially. Because we feel that sense of belonging, it opens us up to then becoming, becoming the person that God created us to be. Then we're naturally compelled to freely share our prayers and our prosperity and our talents for the benefit of our parish. Every day at Mass, people are praying for our parish. Every day, I see people in the, going into our Eucharistic chapel, morning, noon, and night. They're praying for us as a parish together. Every day, parishioners are sharing their prosperity. They want to give back to God all that he has given them. Every day, our par- parishioners, they share their skills through a wide variety of different ministries to make our parish vibrant and alive. Now, we could easily pray just for our individual selves and neglect others, but we don't do that. 
We could easily take our prosperity and hoard it, apply it only to ourselves and not to anyone else. But we don't do that. We understand love implies sacrifice. That's why we practice. That's why we practice self-denial and sacrifice. We share what we have. And in doing so, we are essentially taking up our cross. We're doing exactly what Jesus tells us to do. Now, does this mean that the Christian life is a miserable life, constantly sacrificing, always unhappy and bitter? No, not at all. In fact, just the opposite. As long as sacrifice is seen through the lens of love. One last thing to think about. The secret to a happy Christian life is not to avoid the cross, but instead embrace it and keeping love alive through our sacrifices each and every day of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.